on air. In terms of the investments we make to make things faster, cheaper, more efficient, we also need to be investing just as much, if not more, in the security aspects. This is On Air by ANZ Institutional. We bring you the latest market-leading analysis and thought leadership from more than 30 global markets, giving you the information you and your business needs to thrive. At the end of the day, uh, customers want to be able to make payments securely. Yes, yeah. And in an environment where we're facing into a lot of risks, particularly on the cybersecurity side of things and um, a desire to really uh, protect information and, and make sure that all parts of the ecosystem are uh, uh, shoring up the right controls to manage these sorts of risks, which are evolving at a rapid pace. There's no question um, that the the things that we are seeing from a fraud perspective, a scam perspective, is um, evolving very rapidly. And, you know, I talked about technology driving uh, a lot of um, transformation. Well, certainly we're seeing technology being a huge play in, in the way that scams and fraud is uh, is evolving as well. So, you know, what, what do you think we need to be thinking about when it comes to those sorts of risks that are being faced in the payments world? Yeah, look, I think it's, um, it's you're spot on. Uh, I think if I look at the, it had me thinking when you were talking about the investment in technology um, and investment in general, you know, we've, we've thus far talked about speed and agility and, and all those things, but it would be um, ignorant of us to not to think that there's others out there with uh, potentially less positive ambitions that would be looking at as all those aspects just as much as we are and looking at those as opportunities. So, yeah, I think the obvious statement is that, you know, in terms of the investments we make to make things faster, cheaper, more efficient, we also need to be investing just as much, if not more, in the security aspects. So, you know, and, and international payments is, is often uh, a popular vehicle for some of those activities as well. Um, and so, yeah, we need to make sure that the investment that's going into our platforms to create a better customer experience also has that element of trust. So that our customers really trust that when they're transacting with us, that their money's secure and safe. Um, I think, yeah, as you touched on, the the whole cyber crime world continues to evolve and will continue to evolve. Um, and every time we come up with solutions or mitigants to lower the risks, we need to be conscious that there's others that are going to be cropping up at the same time. So, you know, I see it as an ongoing, ongoing investment and ongoing um, component to making sure that we're not only advancing the ease of transfer of money internationally, but also we're advancing the security of money internationally. But I think generally, you know, we, we need to be focused on not only how do you recover or, or um, return customers that have been aggrieved by these, these criminals um, to how do we actually make it harder and less attractive to do it? And it's something that we focus a lot on in, in my world around how do we actually add more checks, more balances, more uh, capabilities to be able to shore up um, 
certainty around payments. Again, this predictability, certainty aspect, right? It's, you know, I keep coming back to it, but that's kind of where it all ends as far as I'm concerned. It's, um, I, I trust my bank. I, I can, I'm confident. I can, I know that my money's going to get there to the end. And, you know, I trust my bank that if something's happening untoward with, um, my accounts, et cetera, that you're there to help me. Um, yeah, if I look at some of the things that we're doing around proof of beneficiary or pre-validation, whatever you call it, there's various tools out there to deal with different aspects of fraud and scams, um, account name matching, profiling of beneficiaries, etc. Particularly where you don't own that customer, it's uh, not as easy to pinpoint a, a customer of another institution, let alone customer of another institution in another country. Um, as to their true identities. But, you know, those types of investments are very, very um, at the center, very much at the centre of what we're working through at the moment is to establish robust models around that, not just simply a name and account match, but, um, but you know, what other mechanisms can we use to help identify on a risk scale whether we're um, confident that that payment will get executed. So various aspects to it. Yeah, it kind of almost remiss me to say that that again alone won't be the the catalyst to solve all the all the challenges. Uh, so it is it is going to be an ongoing investment as far yeah, as I'm no, concerned. No, I agree. I don't think there's any one silver bullet, and I, I and I do have a view that you know the banks aren't solely the answer to a lot of this these these issues, right? So um, we, we certainly often look to to take some accountability in terms of that recovery and where those losses are supported. But at the end of the day, the channels and vehicles that which these these activities are driven from are often lie well before the bank even gets involved or the institution is involved in that payment flow. By the time that value is transmitted, the fraud's been uh, you know, perpetrated, right? So th- there's a greater view that needs to be taken. And, and certainly I think as an industry, the financial services industry is really trying to pull their weight and, and add their bit to it. Certainly, you know, individual institutions are looking at confirmation of pay um, in their own way and how they can help out. But I do uh, have a view that, you know, it does take an industry to really try and create a collective control around this um, to make it consistent and provide that certainty as you, you know we talked about a lot today around the experience uh, of validating that account um, and name in particular is something that a payer can do um, yeah consistently independent of which institution they're dealing with right or which beneficiary they're sending monies to um, and, and so you know that confidence that uh, we want to give uh, to our customers around the network is critical, right? We want to encourage them to keep using the rails um, to, to make those payments. And uh, I think consistency in how we approach it is really critical. Um, I think the other thing, you know, that it does present as well is we talk a lot about the experience and the user experience and wanting to make it as easy and simple as possible. The reality is, is that much of these checks and balances will potentially create more friction in the process, right? So, you know, it it does come at a cost of speed potentially um, and ease, ease of use. But, you know, those protections are there so that we can give that certainty. Absolutely. I think, you know, 
couple of pieces that you touched on there. The the industry approach to this is critical. Uh, it's not it's not a one sector solution to this. And as you say, yeah, we we can only see what we can see. Other other sectors of the industry can only see what they can see. I think of like telcos, etc. Um, so it needs to be a banded effort at an industry level to, in all sectors to try and combat this and and come up with more rigorous ways to deal with it. But your point around does it add more friction? Like I think, yeah, fundamentally, if if all we're doing is going for speed, then absolutely there would. But again, I think as we talked about earlier. You know, speed isn't always necessarily the panacea to all customer needs. Uh, I think the availability, the predictability um, are just as, if not more, important. And I'm probably more specifically talking about international payments here, to be honest. But um, you know, if something takes five minutes instead of 30 seconds because we're producing a much more secure, predictable transaction... I, as a consumer, would be okay with that. It's, I think that between five minutes and 48 hours, I might think you, it's questionable. But, yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, that investment and in technology coming back to the investment side of things is, you know, how do we continue investing in tools and, and capabilities, technically or not? AI, you mentioned mine as before, is becoming increasingly topical. Uh what we should be looking at. So adding more controls into the process shouldn't necessarily mean we fundamentally impact the client experience. Um, and there's, there is always this balance of how fast should fast be. Uh, um, and I don't, like I don't necessarily, of course there's going to be people who want to absolutely breakneck speed, but um, but I think we, we need to weigh up as a community, what do we value more? Do we value quick transactions with security or do we just all out speed, no uh, no, no conscious effort towards the security elements to it? I know which way I'd think. So do you think, I mean, your clearing customers have that perspective and, you know, what, what do you think their expectations are sending into the Australian market? Um, these international payments? Yeah, look, I think the um, it's certainly been a topic of conversation. Right? We've had a few discussions where there, it, it does create nervousness. So you know, as much as we're talking about the flexibility we've been afforded by the design of MPP for cross-border payments, we're also very cognizant that there's added risks in going all out in terms of speed, etc. So yeah, I think it'd be sensible. You put a cap on it to start with. We grow with confidence and as you grow with confidence, you grow with the value. And so I think there's elements there that um, we need to we need to consider. But again, if they, um, if they want to still operate within certain hours because they prefer that that's actually a, a more contactable or more secure way for them to transact, then absolutely go for it. Uh, it's not a... It's not a model where we're going to force people into a design that we've come up with that may not satisfy their their levels of comfort. So having that flexibility there is, is important. And um, different organisations will have different views on it as well. I mean, we've we've got a nearly 500 customer groups and you know, thousands of accounts in the, in the clearing space. 
So we can't afford to just create one solution to fit all. Uh, that's that's where the whole element of flexibility comes into it. So, you know, if, if a customer wants to transact right through the night, then they're more than happy to do so. Um, but if they feel more comfortable working within their confined business hours and their their model, then equally we're more than happy to support that. So, you know, I think that's a yeah, that's that's an important piece about being flexible. Also, thinking about it from a future state perspective as well. You know, things as I said, this is kind of the start of a bit of a foray I can see anyway, um, internationally and and even in domestic markets as well. And and having a bit of a, a strategic roadmap and plan out to where we see ultimately, if you think about like the G twenty targets from the Financial Stability Board, um, you know, this is kind of on the pathway to that and. Having that longer term view is is important because it gives you a perspective of that northern star. Where we're we heading to, this is an element, but we have a bigger we have a bigger role to play. Um, and you know, recently, I mean, <laughs> question back to you, Carolyn. The the um, the Australian market announced quite a number of different um, elements to its roadmap coming out as well. What what's sort of your take on that? And and do you see that happening in some of the other geographies that um that you're across as well yeah i mean it's certainly um a significant undertaking for by the federal government to really set out a desire and aspiration around having a very focused roadmap for payments and and i think that's a real acknowledgement of the fact that yeah the industry has evolved considerably and that legislation has been um yeah it's, it's certainly out of date it doesn't reflect the new state it doesn't consider you know new payment instruments whether it's digital assets um buy now pay later even you know the the use of our current payment systems and the rails and the role it plays in the economy so i think it's a it's a really important point in the um, economy to be setting an expectation around the fact that we that not only legislative and regulatory environment needs to evolve with what we're facing into um, to, for the protection of consumers, but also to give certainty to uh, corporations, but also to the institutions that are largely driving the investment and development of payments infrastructure, but also, you know, innovating to create those experiences we talked about. So, yeah, really uh, exciting times in the market. Um, but it not just faces into the new stuff, right? We're not just talking about, um, you know, how digital assets might become part of the mi- the mix, which we know they will. But there's also, well, how do we face into the to the legacy? So, you know, w- creating some certainty around uh, managing the decline of checks and and giving a timeline to that is is incredibly important uh it's clear that it's the volumes of of the instrument uh, have reduced to a point that it's become economically unviable for a lot of the participants to to really manage but we know equally that there are still users in the economy right so how do we how do we manage that through and do that with the right sensitivities um you know and, and government's certainly acknowledging that they play a big part in that they've got to make changes themselves as users of the instrument make changes to legislation to enable others to, to transform um and and also to find the right alternatives for those that are still reliant on it, whether it's because 
they're bound to by law or because behaviourally they've been doing it for such a long time. So, yeah, a lot of change there as well. And then, of course, you know, whilst they haven't set a timeline, but recognising that, um, yeah, we are heading to faster, we are heading to more digitised state um, and that, you know, direct entry uh, isn't necessarily the future or isn't the future for, for domestic low-value payments. So, you know, what does that look like for um, not only participants in the industry but customers, corporations, individuals of uh, shifting those payments to the to alternatives, um, which a large part will probably sit on the new payments platform, right, and, and how those rails can be used. So um, like IPS, the international payments on on uh, MPP, um, you know, the flow and the amount of payment that will go through that infrastructure is quite significant. And so, you know, creating um, the expectation around a st- stable and resilient set of infrastructure to support all of those requirements is it's a massive undertaking for the industry but an important one to recognize so it's good that government are on board and then are you know calling it out and, and creating a common view and that that payments roadmap is critical to that um, it just gives us a, a sense of um, commonality around the approach um, and that uh we, we know that, you know, not only is the central bank through the RBA, government, um, the institutions, the new players in the market, they have a, a better understanding of where we're heading. And um, that just, you know, makes it easier for a lot of those that are facilitating that change, whether it's around making investment decisions, prioritisation, um, and, and most important is managing change because uh, we can't underestimate, you know, the impacts of, of this to, to everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of my you know, interaction with our clients, they're all, they're all offshore. So, yeah, they're less, they're less familiar with the nuances in the Australian market. But one of the common things that I have not stopped hearing since the announcements was just the plaudits for the Australian marketplace to take very distinct positions on things like checks, et cetera. Um, and, and demonstrating that you know there is a there is a strong strategic focus to digital adoption but as you say importantly with a real respect to the change environment that that has uh, is that kind of the sentiment that you feel in the market as well locally that um, everyone's you know, quite quite bullish supportive and um, and happy to stand behind that that whole strategy? I, I think there's definitely that support. Um, I think there will be definitely parts of the industry um, and, and that will have opinions that some of it's not fast enough, to be honest, um, yeah. because we've talked about how the pace of change is just, it's just, you know, there's some snowball effect actually. But I think it's also realistic and to some degree. Um, you know, precisely for that reason, you know, you're only as fast as the tail. Um, and, and so it does recognise, you know, the lowest common de- denominator in the cog, right? So, you know, some need to accept that and others need to go, well, um, you know, I can still innovate. I can still be enabled to bring new and um, relevant capability to market um, and also respect that there will be 
number of participants that have been facilitating payments for a long period and are now enabled to really drive change as much as those newer participants in the market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, that, that element of certainty around where the industry is going, I think will you know, promulgate a whole raft of change in terms of the way businesses interact with one another, the way they do their their banking and payments, etc. cetera. Um, and I think it'll lead to a lot of really positive conversations right? instead of, you know, I still, you know, dealing with checks is going to be problematic for me. It's so low touch, so very few of them. I don't want to spend the time on it to how do we actually assist you in transforming that that particular aspect of your business into a more electronic digital digital experience. I guess from the MPP side, what, what do you see? We've talked a lot about the international payment service, obviously, but what do you see as one of the uh, movers and shakers on the MPP side from a ANZ perspective as the yeah the next biggest thing that might be coming down the pipe from a uh, instant payment Australia perspective. Oh, we've we've obviously you know a huge um, uh, advocate of pay to as as driving a lot of capability um, and and enabling you know a greater um, use of account to account payments to facilitate collections. You know, and it, it it's not just a substitute for direct debit. It is really a, a game changer in offering more options when it comes to, you know, digital payments, um, whether in person or not. So I, I think, you know, we, we view that as certainly the catalyst for a lot more innovation and a lot more optionality around payments and at a lower cost as well. So, you know, certainly addressing that consumer expectation and corporate expectation. Um, so, yeah, we really see pay to as, 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 as a game changer. I think um, we're also thinking really hard around electronic invoicing and, and how that will shift and how to how perhaps, you know, that infrastructure can play a role not only on the consumer side of things, which traditionally on a push payment side, you know, BPAY's played a role. Um, well, not more not just a role, it's been, you know, the the predominant bill payment method for quite some time. But I think that's what the opportunity is, is that it's time for that to evolve and really uh, al- align to, you know, a set of rails that does facilitate data enrichment and, um, you know, increase reconciliation and, and certainty. Um, and then, you know, beyond uh, business-to-consumer payments is also and, and invoices is also, of course, um, B2B. So how do we help facilitate, you know, an opportunity that's been tried many times to solve for and that is um, uh, electronic invoicing between businesses that really, uh, you know, are really quite capable of uh, automatic reconciliation, right? And um, so, yeah, some immediate opportunities uh, in the roadmap in my mind um, and then, you know, it, it really is a case of um, I, I think we've, we'll have a very sophisticated set of rails um, and one that's very capability rich and, and then it's, you know, opportunities commercially to really take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's exciting, right? It's the, one of the things that you know, I see from the MPP as a platform perspective is it's constantly thinking about the next 
elements, the next use case, the next capability that can be rolled through the through the network and um, fast becoming a, a multifaceted capability beyond just the uh, the original sort of P2P scope that it commenced on. So it's, it's hugely exciting. Fun to be part of. Absolutely. Speaking of fun, Cyboss, just about upon us. It'll be interesting to see how much of this um, reflects across other geographies as well. I, I always may be being a bit biased, but tend to say that you know, the Australian Instant Payments Network is probably one of the most um, evolved networks in the world and um, and continues to evolve. Um, but it'll be interesting. I think, I think certainly instant payments will be a topic of discussion out at Cyboss. But um, if I look at the theme of Cyboss this year, collaborative finance in a fragmented world, it's that's just like a panacea for anything finance, right? It's just a, a huge broad topic. Um, you know, I'm expecting that we'll, we'll talk a lot about sustainability, geopolitical um, considerations and the geopolitical environment in general, which is, um, you know, which is, which is evolving as we've seen throughout this year and, and part of last year as well. Um, certainly it wouldn't be a, a side boss without talking cross-border payments and trade, um, which is kind of the corner point. But, you know, what I've found is a lot more talk about the risk elements to it. Um, and innovation, absolutely. But there's a healthy balance now between innovation and, and risk management, which is um, which is encouraging. And I expect the other piece to um, crop up will be uh, inclusion. And I think that's an important topic. Um, and I'm looking forward to some of the conversations around, around that. How do we get a more inclusive financial system? Um, around the world so that space is evolving and you know I can't believe we got through a whole discussion and didn't talk about ISO 2022 which uh, um, yeah maybe that maybe that's one for another discussion so I'm quietly proud of us we that did we got get there. there. I was going to suggest that perhaps it's nice that Cybos isn't solely focused around ISO and the fact that there's some runs on the board uh, being achieved, which is fantastic, right? And and the fact that you know it's uh, that you get you can talk about learnings from actually implementation and progress being made to that migration. So, yeah, you know, credit to the to the industry. But um, yeah, it'll be a nice shift from that too, I'm sure. It will. Although um, having said that, I I have to say that I am I'm doing one of the conference um, debates around ISO and then the new transaction management platform and the evolution around that at Cyboss. So um, we can't completely escape ISO. It's still going to be one of the bigger topics, but um, it, it is nice to talk about a few other things occasionally as well. That was On Air by ANZ Institutional. Be sure to like, follow or subscribe to hear more. This podcast is intended as thought leadership material. It is not published with the intention of providing any direct or indirect recommendations or to influence any person to make a decision in relation to any financial product or class of financial products. It is general in nature and does not take account of the circumstances of any individual or class of individuals. For further information, please refer to the full disclaimer at institutional.anz.com.